Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that focuses on topics related to English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. My name is Steve Sophronis, and I am proud to be the host of Highest Aspirations. This episode is part of our special Look for the Helper series. Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood offered some relevant advice for navigating difficult times like these. He said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. The ELL community is full of helpers, and we are proud to amplify their voices as we face the reality of long-term school closures as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak. We are committed to keeping you informed and inspired with resources to help you support your English learners. We are stronger together. So if you'd like to share your ideas, inspiration, or simply share your voice, our doors are always open. Just go to bit.ly slash ellhelper to learn more. That's bit.ly slash capital E, capital L, capital L, capital H, E-L-P-E-R. You'll find that link in our show notes as well. Terry Fish, thank you so much for joining us in the Look for the Helper series of the Highest Aspirations podcast. Hi, Steve. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you representing Illinois. I think you're the first representative from Illinois that we've had so far. So tell us uh, what district you're working at and what your role is. I work in Homer School District 33C. It um, uh, is a district that is in Homer Glen, Illinois, and some of Lockport, Illinois. We have six buildings. Um, We have about around 1,000 EL students. I'm a language specialist in one of the buildings. Um, some school, some of the buildings have more than one, but mine only has more than one EL teacher. Mine only has um, a transitional program instructor, which is myself. I'm a team of one in my building. And very much on the front lines and kind of a typical school around that thousand mark of English learners. Um, and so you're experiencing, um, as we sort of get well into this situation, I think we're week five, four or five of this. I, I'm sort of losing track of time. Um as things unfold, what, what challenges are you facing sort of right now at this moment? Right at this moment, I am trying to figure out a way to consistently communicate and connect with my students visually. So um, I know that I've been learning how to use the Zoom um, app so that all of my students could connect with that this week. Right now, I have used Seesaw, which has been a, a wonderful platform to use. So I've been able to send videos of myself to them. Uh, Some students have sent videos back to me, but it's not live. I'm hoping to be able to do something live very soon. Yeah. So what you're talking about is something that we've heard a lot about, which is, you know, Seesaw is a great tool. I know that uh, my uh, son's teacher uses it and I've used it before as well as a teacher. And um, it's a great way to kind of communicate with, with uh, parents and with students, um, and it's hard to say, but because it is a great tool, but it, you know, it, it's kind of back and forth. It's not synchronous. It's asynchronous. So you're, you're looking at a video that you've recorded or you're sending one. And it sounds like you're at the point now where you want to be, you said, connecting with students visually, where you want to be using a tool, like you mentioned, Zoom, to have some synchronous interaction. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. I've also used Spotcastify. Um, our district gave us some um, training on that. And I've used that. But again, it's, you know, it's not live. 
So yeah. Yeah, and I certainly live classes, and I am the parent of a of a second grader. You know, that's in live classes three days a week, and it's it can be challenging, but it's really nice to sort of see everyone's face and be able to um, kind of connect that way um, in real time. And you were talking about before we started recording this. One thing that I thought was really interesting, you were talking about how um, you're giving your students some writing assignments, um, but you'd like to be able to sort of share them. Uh, if possible, live over Zoom. Could you expand a little bit more about that, about what your hopes to do there are? Well, my students have been using um, uh, Writing City, so they've been working on some of the units, and they're familiar with it from class, which has been a bonus for me because I use so much technology. They've been able to continue it at home. I just have to be careful with not overloading them, right? since I know they have a lot going on in their regular classrooms. But um, they've written some really nice pieces, and I can share them. Um, there's kind of a classroom journal that I can share some of my better writing. But I would like to be able to have them do some practice speaking. And um, I hope to use Zoom and give, you know, give students an opportunity to be able to share one of their favorite pieces that they recently wrote. Sure. And, you know, I've you, have you all received some training on using Zoom? I know that a lot of districts are trying to decide sort of which tool to use for synchronous um, meetings with classes. And I know there's some security issues involved. How have you or your district or your school gone about mitigating those? They originally sent out just some um, written instructions on how to use Zoom, kind of directed us as to what they would like us to use. Originally, they were saying Google Hangout. Um, I did actually participate in a whole classroom um, Google Hangout, and you're not really able to mute students. And um, and if you do, they had to kind of put themselves in and out of the Google the Google Hangouts. So today we did some instruction on Zoom, and they actually did some Zoom meetings, sharing how to do things and being able to share. You know, teachers were sharing their screen, showing them what to do, how to go about it. Um, to get something um, live so it wasn't just written so people could see, yeah, this is pretty easy. In the Zoom meetings, um, I've done several with friends and um, they are very manageable. So I'm hoping it works out. Good, good. Yeah, but it is important to kind of get the go ahead, obviously, from uh, administration or the powers that be. And it is important to have a system in place. Um, and it sounds like you'll be able to do uh, you know, some nice sort of synchronous activities and get to see your students' faces in real time with those Zoom meetings, which will be wonderful. I feel the challenge will be to get my, like the first couple of meetings, getting the students in, because I know that that will probably take a little bit of help from the parents for my first and second graders. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, that's one thing that you mentioned when you filled out the form, our look for the helpers form was, um, you, you said you used Seesaw, which was very helpful for you to kind of stay connected with, with students and families. Does that continue to be the way that you're connecting with families when you need to do things like you just mentioned, which is to get them to, to help, you know, their, their children get on Zoom? I mean, how, how challenging is, has that been, particularly if there's language barriers or any other um, issues that may arise? Well, the nice thing about using that Seesaw platform is if I write something, I can also use the microphone and actually record what I have said so that parents could actually listen to it if they wanted to. Um, all, of our parent, all of our students do have email addresses. It's just that the parents aren't actually aware of that since they don't normally use them for the younger students. Right. So we need to make sure we push out that information 
so that they're able to actually get into the Zoom. Um, you know, the email address is, they're all consistent as to how they're created. It's just the parents need to become aware of that. Sure. It's funny how those quote unquote little things, you know, become so important right now. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not like simple tool like emails and something that everybody uses, particularly to communicate with schools. And now it's hugely important. And you mentioned earlier, the fact that you've kind of been using some technology and some tools already in your classes um, has been quite helpful for you. When you think about all the people who haven't done that, you know, it's, it can be a huge uh, daunting challenge. So given that, and given your relative, it sounds like uh sort of good standing in where we are. I mean, it seems like you're, you're able to, to, to deliver some instruction. You're looking to kind of iterate and make it more uh, powerful. Um, I'm interested to hear from you, like what, what you're preparing for next. I mean, what is, what is kind of the hope if schools are closed for the rest of the year, which in many places it looks like they will be? Um, I'm trying to plan for the future so that I can help them with what they actually need. It's becoming very challenging for me to know what support they need with vocabulary, whether it's just from their reading stories or academic content from their social studies or science. I'm not, you know, we're not together in the building, so it's not like I can just touch base with the teachers as easily as I did before. So, you know, I find that's going to be challenging for my students to make sure they're able to understand what they're doing, make sure that I'm there to help them like I usually am. And uh, I find that it's going to be a little more challenging for me to know uh, what they need so I can differentiate for each of my students. Yeah, that communication with, with other teachers and, you know, when you're in a building, it, it, it happens sometimes in the hallways for two minutes, but it's, it's, it's a two-minute conversation that's maybe not happening at this point. And if we don't have sort of explicit and deliberate ways where we're maintaining contact with, with, with teams and teachers, content teachers, that can be, um, that can be tricky as well. Right. And even with the skills and, you know, as far as, I mean, I'm really happy with the amount of writing that I'm able to have my students do. But um, like I said before, uh, you know, speaking and just the, the social interaction, I feel that we're going to be lacking during this whole period. Yeah. And I had, a, I've had a couple conversations with people about how you go about having high quality kind of academic conversations in a distance learning environment. People have great ideas, um, but there's certainly no one size fits all solution for that, for that big problem. So like thinking about that and thinking about, there's been now a lot of press, a lot of research um, about what this kind of extended summer slide or COVID slide people are calling it is going to look like for particularly for English learners. Um, how do you see, and this is a high level question, I may be putting you on the spot, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say. How do you see EL education kind of adapting as we go back to school to making sure that we can get these students where they need to be? I mean, it, it, it's, it's, there's, we're learning a lot about sort of some of the tools that we can use, but obviously there's going to be a lot of making up to do. What do you see us doing to kind of mitigate that at least in some way? Um, well, in, for ELs, I just think that it's going to be very similar to what we normally do. We figure out where we are with our students, and from there we continue to progress with what they actually need. And, you know, it's going to be, it's across the board. It's not like it's going to be one grade or Absolutely. Grades. It's going to be every grade, and it's going to be every, every district, really. And um, I 
think we're just going to have to do a lot of work in the beginning of the year to, especially our little ones, those kindergarten first and second graders. Um, you know, all that reading instruction that they're going to be missing from this whole quarter. That um, I think we're going to just have to do a lot more in regards to um, building their background knowledge on everything and making sure that they're ready for what they have to do in their classrooms. And it is going to be a challenge. Yeah. And even just, you mentioned, I think finding out where they are, that's so important. Like, you know, we're now, there's all these assessments that, that are normally, and people have are obviously varying degrees of, of uh, tolerance for lots of assessments, but they do serve a purpose, which is to see where students are. We're not going to be able to see a lot of that. So finding out just immediately what the baseline is when students go back is going to be, um, it's going to be tricky. Um, but in, I think, in, the, in the state of Illinois, we're not even going to have our Illinois assessments right. like we normally would from the spring. And that's the case in many, in many places as well. So you don't have that data to look at. So let's talk, like, as we kind of conclude this, let's, let's talk silver linings here, because I think that, you know, there, there are a tremendous amount of challenges um, but I can just tell from our conversation so far that, you know, you've, you've learned a lot and I'm sure your district has about how to adapt. What do you see us taking from this whole thing? Again, we go back to school and we return to some hopefully normalcy or some degree of normalcy with students in a brick and mortar building, uh, learning with one another together. What is something that we've learned from this that you would like to see continue uh, or sort of evolve as we move forward? Um, I would have to say that uh, I've seen a tremendous amount of independence from my students to be able to take what I've given them and be able to figure it out without me being there. Um, I, I look at some of these sentences or even paragraphs that they've written for me over the you know past few weeks and I go, wow, in, my, in class, this would have taken a couple of days to do only with them 30 minutes a day. Whereas in the course of a couple of days on their own, they were able to create their paragraph. And in some cases, my third and fourth minutes turned in, you know, three paragraph essays. So to me, that is showing me that maybe our students can be more capable than I realized. And also the fact that they've learned so much about technology, whether it's using Google Classroom or the capabilities of what we have in Seesaw, um, creating videos to send back to teachers. I think that they're learning that they can do a lot more than they realize as they figure things out with technology. So I think That's, we're going to have a lot of tech-savvy students when it's all yeah, and tech savvy is one thing, and that's great. But the other thing that you mentioned is really, really powerful. That you know, and you as a as a teacher is working with these students face to face, you know, on a daily basis, sort of having this realization that wow, if I send them something and they're sort of on their own, they can they can figure it out. I wonder what that. I mean, this is a larger question, a whole other podcast episode. But I wonder what that tells us about you know giving students the space and the independence to work the way they want. I envision students sitting on a couch in their house, like my kids are trying to get something done, taking a break when they need to, coming back to it, maybe working in the evening rather than early in the morning. Um, there's going to be a lot to digest here and a lot of like really rich sort of fodder for research as we move forward. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I've been impressed with uh, the amount of rigor my students have actually shown me. 
That's great. Well, I think that's as good of a place to any as any to uh, to, to wrap this up. Terry, thank you so much for for taking the time to chat with us and giving you uh, giving us your point of view uh, from Homer uh, d- School. Is it Homer Schools? Homer Homer ISD? What is the? It's Homer Glen, Homer Glen, Lockport, Illinois. And you all have those numbers out there in Illinois that everybody the 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 district numbers that I always we do at Homer thirty yeah. three C. <laughs> Homer thirty three C. It's always I remember training districts out there and never remembering what the what the number was. Well, anyway, thank you so much for joining us and giving us your perspective and uh, keep up the good work. We appreciate it. Thank you. And good luck to everyone out there. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.